0: In faith, and in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Good morning, Lake Church. Hallelujah. The Lord is good, and his mercy endures forever. Amen. Let's turn our Bibles to 2 Samuel chapter 22, 2 Samuel chapter 22, and uh, we're going to look over there and um, praise the Lord. God is good. Victory is in the house. I said, victory is in the house. You know, as I was praying and seeking the Lord for this service, and uh, the Lord just said that many have went through a dry season in their life. They've went through a season of travail, uh, a season in which they uh, have experienced extreme hardship. And uh, that there are times that they felt like they wouldn't even make it this year. And, uh, you know, I know exactly what he was saying because there were times this year in my life that that was the case. And so my goal today and the goal of the Lord today is for you to be encouraged that God is at work That God is turning things around. That all things work together for good. Not just for anybody, but for those who love the Lord. And are called according to his purpose. Amen? That's the qualifier right there. Not everybody loves the Lord. Not everybody's walking in the purpose of God. Therefore, all things will not work together for good. All things work together for good for those who love the Lord and who are called according to his purpose. Amen? And I'm here to say I'm called according to his purpose. How about you? And I love the Lord. Amen? If the loving the Lord is wrong, I don't want to be right. Amen? I love the Lord. Hallelujah! I love Jesus! Does anybody love Jesus in this house? Hallelujah! Twenty of you. How many love Jesus? Hallelujah. Hallelujah! Glory to God. Amen. Glory to God. Well, uh, the scripture I'm about to share with you is a, is a scripture that David, it's a, it's a prophetic unction from the Holy One in the last days of David the king. And uh, I believe that uh, the Lord wanted me to share this scripture with you to show how fierce he is towards you and how jealous he is over you. See, we need to understand holiness. Holiness isn't just about us shaping our conduct. God is holy. That means he he is never changing. He doesn't change. He separated himself from his creation. He is separate. He's exclusive. But he's also separated for and separated to. And so you need to understand that, you know, jealousy works both ways, okay? A person can be jealous. When when you're given too much time and attention to something else, and we understand that our God is a jealous God when it comes to us serving and worshiping other things. But there's another aspect of jealousy. That is when someone picks on the person you love. There is a righteous indignation and a righteous anger that comes upon the Lord when his kids are being picked on by the enemy. Now, most of us are not persuaded of this. In fact, for many years, I wasn't persuaded. I felt like God was definitely unmoved. But, you know, the Bible teaches over and over, especially in the book of Psalms, that God has emotions. Now, it's hard for people to believe that. But God does have emotions. He does get angry. come, Come on now. But not like you think. He does get angry. But not like you think. You know, some sometimes we associate God with human emotion. No, we're not talking about human emotion. Human emotion is subject to the fallen nature. God's not fallen. God's righteous, holy, just pure. So that means his emotions are totally in check and are totally in the highest standard that they could possibly be. God laughs. God gets angry. God gets jealous. Hello, God has emotions and God has emotions towards you. And you've got to understand that because the enemy doesn't want you to think that that's the way. They want you to think that God's indifferent towards what you're going through and towards what's happening in your life. You know, it's just like, uh, you know, the minister a couple of weeks said, you know, when the boat was filling up with water and Jesus is asleep and what'd they say? They said, don't you even care? that we're perishing here and a lot of people have this idea about God is that he does not care about what I'm going through. Mm -hmm. And nothing could be further from the truth. Jesus Christ came to defeat the enemy and to defeat your enemies. Amen. Amen. And so that this time in David's life in which he's about to pass on, he begins to give a psalm. Actually, it's Psalm 18. If you want to look at the reference, Psalm 18, he begins to prophesy about his life and about how God operated in his life. And it's always hindsight that's 2020. You know, when you're going through a problem, when you're going through a situation, you can't see. You can't see God working. There's times when you think, is God even in this? Is God even working? But when we look back, as we look forward, it looks like chaos. But as we look back, we see an artist masterpiece as God orchestrates and connects the dots in which there was absolutely no way we could connect the dots ourselves. He begins to help us and aid us and show us. That even in the midst of our darkest times, in the midst when we thought there was no God, when we thought there was no hope, he was there active and working. Amen? i tell you what, I got good news for you today. Amen? Uh, Second Samuel chapter 22. Notice verse 1. It says, and David spoke to the Lord the words of this song on the day. Now notice this, this is a very special day on the day. The Lord delivered him from the hand of all, everybody say all, all All his enemies and from the hand of Saul. Amen. All right. So notice he speaks these words to the Lord On the day that the Lord delivered him from all his enemies, every single one of them. I'm here to tell you that what's been dogging you in this last season, praise God, you're gonna come to the day that the Lord has delivered you from all of your anxiety from all of your symptoms, from all of your heartache, from all of your pain, from all of your poverty. Come on now. And it's going to be a time of restoration. Now we know that he got delivered from all of his enemies, but if you look back in the Psalms, I'm sorry about that, was I showing my girth? I tell you what, I don't want that six-pack to show. People might lust. Excuse me. <laughs> Hallelujah. Karen forgot to dress me today. Okay. I tell you what. Now, this is service here. Can I? Amen. Hallelujah. God is good. Amen. All. But you look out through the Psalms and you see David wrestling the entire Psalms. He wrestles. He wrestles with his enemies. One of the main enemies that he wrestles with is his own soul. Because, see, when it comes to enemy attack, it's not really what they do on the outside, it's what, how it affects you on the inside that matters. And so you've got to understand that David, he would say things to himself like, Why are you disquieted, oh my soul? He talked to himself, he talked to his soul, he talked to his mind. Hope in God. See, he's, he's talking to himself. He's not sitting there, Why are you disquieted, oh my soul? Hope. That's not what he's doing. He's saying, why are you disquieted? Why are you disrupted? Why are you continuing to think and meditate on this stuff? Hope in God. Why are you anxious? Why are you filled with dread? Why are you filled with fear, oh my soul? Hope in God. I told you in Psalm 103. It's not, bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. That's not what it is. It's, bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that's within me. You bless his holy name. You stop thinking on the adversary. You stop thinking on the problem. You stop thinking on the situation. You stop it right now and remember all of his benefits. See, he's directing his mind. Why? Because his enemies were getting in his head. And see, that's, you know, the, what you've been through through this last season. It's, it's, it's the enemy may have even pulled back from you. But yet it's in your head. There's people not wanting to go places. There's people not wanting to do things. There's people not wanting to try something. There's opportunities that they have, but they won't take them because the enemy's laid his eggs. And although there's no physical pressure, there's inner pressure. And that inner pressure is dictating and telling you what you can and can't do. But on the day that God delivered, David from all not just a few not just half not just a quarter all of his enemies now notice this as I was reading the book of Psalms you know you see a lot of things in which David would call down curses upon his enemies I mean he would speak you know pretty boldly he says I hate them with perfect hatred that's David talking I mean that's, I mean he, he hates his enemies. Well, we're told in the New Testament to love our enemies. So understand this, that one thing that the Lord told me, he says, as you read the book of Psalms, you need to stop looking at those as physical enemies. And you need to start looking at them as your spiritual enemies because you're to hate them with perfect hatred. Because we're to hate what God hates and we're to love what God loves. God does not love the kingdom of darkness. But are we to love people? Because our wrestle is not against flesh and blood. So we're to love our enemies, our physical enemies on the earth. We're to love and pray for them. But when it comes to the demonic realm, when it comes to the realm of spirits and unclean spirits, we're to attack them just like David attacked them with his words. And we are not to relent. And we are not to back off. We're to continue to be aggressive and to have a forward stance when it comes to dealing with the things that are affecting our lives in the invisible realm. Amen? Now, I'm here to tell you what the good news is, is that Jesus has already defeated all Oh, come on now. Are you excited about that? See, we have it better than David had. He's already defeated all. So this psalm is applicable to us. But I'm finding more and more as people's hearts are more disenchanted and disheartened over the tests and trials and aggravations that they have went through over this past season, is that they're not convinced. Oh, they'll say lip service and say, oh yeah, you know, Jesus defeated the enemy. He stripped the enemy. But yet, when it comes to their own personal problems, when it comes to their own personal situation, they're not convinced of the goodness of God. They're not convinced of his ability to, to, to take care of them. And that even that he is concerned about their situation. People have lost people. People have got diagnoses that that have shook their world. People have lost, uh, you know, relationships through divorce and kids running off and doing their own thing and things of that nature. And there's heartbreak. There's heartbreak in people's lives. And sometimes you can sit there and say, don't you care, Lord? Don't you care? Don't you care that I'm hurting? Don't you care that I'm going through this pain? Don't you care? And, and, and a lot of times Christians aren't convinced that God cares. But see, the only way I can know that God cares is through his word. Because there's no sensory element to God's care. Now you'll see the fruit of it. You'll see the fruit of it as he cares for you. He'll begin to, you know, you'll begin to see transformation and change. But initially you're not going to feel a thing. You're not going to feel nothing. You're going just going to have to go on his word that he cares for you. So it's important that you get a hold of what the Bible says about God's disposition towards you. Because if you don't have that, the enemy will continue to try to convince you that his disposition is different. Has God said, remember what he told Eve? Has God said, like, it doesn't really matter what he says. He's a liar. He's keeping something from, come on now. See, he wants to change your perception of God and what he said. But if you get convinced, like David was convinced, because we see David wrestling so much. I mean, my goodness, he wasn't father of the year. I mean, he was not a good dad. I mean, his brothers, his his sons killed one another. He had one of his own sons try to dethrone him, take over the, you know, have a coup and take over the throne. I mean, he messed around. Had his best friend killed so he could have a have a, have his wife. I mean, this this but yet this man's called a man after God's own heart. But yet you know he was guilty of all these things. I mean, he had an angry temper. Horrible temper. He was a little red-headed guy. He was a horrible temper. <laughs> History says he was pretty short, like Tom Cruise short. <laughs> Hello. And he was fiery. And he'd get upset, and he'd have to be calmed down by his men, by, by, by his counselors. He'd have to be calmed down. Abigail, you know, remember when he got Abigail from, uh, I think it was Nabal... I mean, he he wanted to kill Nabal. He had to be restrained. So God doesn't use perfect people. You could still be a man or a woman after God's own heart and and mess up. And have mistakes in your life. Hello. And God is Committed. Oh, come on now. God has committed. He committed in Christ the utter total destruction of your enemies. He's committed that. By Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, the spiritual entities that held you bound, that tried to usurp you and, and overcome and overpower you, have been totally defeated, dethroned, and totally obliterated. But we have to be convinced like David. This psalm comes out of the totality of his experience. It's not just one experience. It's it's the totality. You know, many of you are looking forward and you don't see any hope. You don't see the light at the end of the tunnel. You just, you know, you you, you just think the shoe's going to drop. You think you're going to fall. You think something's going to just happen and something's going to utterly obliterate your life. And the enemy's constantly in your ear telling you this is going to happen, this is going to happen, giving you all kinds of imaginations, all kinds of ideas, all kinds of movies running in your head as to what your future's going to look like. And here we have a man at the end of his life that was a giant slayer. That was one that actually faced a giant, faced a physical giant and took his head off. But not only took that giant's head off, but took off four others also the four brothers of Goliath. Now the last one was killed by one of his mighty men. Showing you that, praise God, when you do it right and you keep killing giants, the people you raise up will kill the giants for you. Amen? Oh Lord, help me bring this across. I want you to come out encouraged. I want you to come out strengthened. I want you to come out saying, my goodness, life is good. God is good. We will go into the future. We will prevail. Amen. Okay, let's read this psalm. Now, this is something that uh, it took years to get to this place. A lot of people give lip service to God. And they even use these psalms to give lip service. This isn't lip service. He meant every word that is said here. This came from his heart. And if you want to be an overcomer in this life, this stuff has got to come from your heart. It can't just come from your head. Notice what it says The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge. Notice that. He personalized it. He said, This is my, praise God, rock. This is my fortress. He is my deliverer. He's not just John's deliverer, He's mine. I personally take him as my rock. There's other rocks in the world, but this is my rock. There's other gods out there, but this is my God. There's other refuges out there, but this is my refuge. You got to personalize it. My shield. And the horn of my salvation. You see the word my there? My stronghold. And my refuge. My savior. You save me from violence. I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. And I am saved from my enemies. Amen. I tell you what. You need to make this your confession over your life. Amen. Now notice this. For the waves of death encompassed me, the torrents of destruction assailed me, the cords of Sheol entangled me, the snares of death confronted me. In my distress, I called upon the Lord, my God, I called to my God, I called from his temple. He heard my voice and my cry came to his ears. Amen. Amen. Now notice that, notice that right there. It says, in my distress, I called. Yes, he called. Said, in my distress, he didn't, didn't say, in my distress, I expected. Yeah. <clears throat> well, I expected him to show up, but he didn't, you know. No, he says, I called. In my distress, I called. There's people not calling on the Lord. <clears throat> They're not calling on the Lord. When you're in distress, call. God says, call. I called upon the Lord. To my God, I called. From his temple, he heard my voice. And my cry came to his ears. So I'm here to tell you that God's ears are open to the righteous. And his hearing is inclined to our prayers. That means when we call out to the Lord, he hears. Oh, come on now. When we call, see, David was convinced of this. And there are people that are praying, even prayed this morning, that are not convinced that their prayers even got past the ceiling of their house. Well, what's the use? You know, I just might as well just, you know, pray. No, it knows what he says. David was convinced of this revelation right there. When I'm in distress, I call to the Lord. Amen. To my God, I call. Amen. Seems simple, but it's hard to execute, friends. Because our pride, sometimes we won't call. Because we're upset with God, we won't call. Because we think he's not listening, we won't call. Because so-and-so didn't get their prayer answered, I'm not going to call. Because I got hurt the last time, I'm not going to call. No, David said, in my distress. I called upon the Lord. Didn't call aunt so-and-so, didn't call mama, didn't call daddy, I called who? The Lord. To my God I called. For his temple, he heard my voice and my cry came to his ears. Now notice this. I'm telling you what, if you really understood, oh, I'm setting you up right now. If you really understood how passionate God is about your deliverance, how passionate God is about your salvation, how passionate God is about your life and wanting to rectify and bring you back to right position in life. If you knew how aggressive God is to try to heal your body and to bring you in right standing, if you knew how awesome, how he's not just sitting there He is active because David understood this. Because notice what he said next. The earth reeled. The earth reeled. No. Then the earth reeled and rocked the foundations of the heavens trembled and quaked because of what? Let that sink in. Have you ever had someone take up for you? When you were at your worst, when you were down, And there was no way you could respond. There was no way you could act on your own behalf. You're totally down. The enemy's foot was on your neck. And somebody shows up. I remember in school, this one guy, we were playing soccer out here, and he didn't like the way I played because I was exceptionally good. <laughs> and Manford didn't know anything about soccer in the seventies; they didn't know nothing. I'd come from Tulsa, and I knew about soccer, and I could play. I could play. I could play soccer. And so we we're out there playing around, and you know, and, and this—he was two years older than I, I am and uh, quite a big guy, and uh, I had scored a goal, and he, he just got mad at the way I was playing, frustrated. And so he, uh, he pushed me down, and he swung at me, and he, and he, he just kind of grazed my chin, you know, grazed my chin. And I remember my good friend, David Meerhide. Some of you know that and <laughs> know that name. My good friend, David Meerhide stepped right in the middle and the guy was still swinging and he hit David two, three times in the face and David said, are you finished? (laughs) Now I was small, you know, I mean, I I was a, a freshman. This guy was a senior. But I know what it felt like for somebody to step in and say, are you finished? Are you finished? Because if you're not finished, I'll finish it for you. Yes. Amen. Yes. And boy, that brother backed off. David didn't know karate. He just knew Karazi. but he stepped in. Have you had someone step in for you? Maybe you got in financial distress. You didn't have no way, no job, no nothing. Someone came in and said, you know what? I'll take care of that. Maybe a bill collector's calling and they just get on the phone and say, we'll take care of it. Don't call this person anymore. Come on now. Someone's stepping in. When you didn't have any strength to answer the call. And if we're honest, we've all been there. Johnny, it says, the minute he called upon the Lord and God heard from his temple. It says the earth reeled and rocked. Joe, the foundations of the heavens trembled. I mean, there was a seismic activity going on right now. Everybody know that God was roused on behalf of David calling in his distress. God wasn't just sitting down. He actually was moved because he actually caused the heavens to tremble and quake. And it was because he was angry. He was not angry with you. He was angry with the adversary. He was angry with the enemies. He was angry with those that were coming against you. Oh, you're not getting this. You need to, my goodness gracious, if you knew how God cared about you. Let's, let's read on, amen? i tell you what, I'm not gonna get halfway done here today. Smoke went up from his nostrils. That's mad. That's mad. And devouring fire from his mouth. Well, God's not emotional. You know, he's not moving. No, that's not what David thought. Not emotional like we're emotional. He's not out of control. I mean, when God gets angry about something, it it needs to be angry at. (laughs) You know, I mean, come on. Glowing coals flamed forth from him. Notice the next verse. He bowed the heavens and came down Thick darkness was under his feet. He rode on a cherub and flew. He was seen on the wings of the wind. He made darkness around him his canopy. Thick clouds, a gathering of water. Out of the brightness before him, coals of fire flamed forth. The Lord thundered from heaven and the most high uttered his voice. And he sent out arrows and scattered them, lightning and routed them. Then the channels of the sea were seen. The foundation of the world were laid bare. At the rebuke of the Lord, at the blast of the breath of his nostrils. Now notice what happened. Notice that it says in those verses that he spoke. In any dilemma you're in, it's His Word. That's the answer. It's His Word that is the arrows. It's His words that's the lightning. Oh, are you awake out there? See, we're looking for some kind of spectacular thing, and the supernaturals happen to to us all the time. It's His Word. It says he spoke forth, he uttered forth, and they were like arrows and they were like lightning. And when the word of God is spoken on your behalf, when God speaks authoritatively towards your situation, it's as if arrows are flung towards your enemies. It's as lightning bolts And it will quake the earth. It will cause the heavens to tremble. It will change the spiritual atmosphere of your life. Amen. Hallelujah. Are you getting the picture? Look at verse 17. He sent from on high. He took me. He drew me out of the many waters. He rescued me from my strong enemy, from those who hated me, for they were too mighty for me. They confronted me in the day of my calamity, but the Lord was my support. He brought me out into a broad place. Everybody say broad place. He rescued me because he delighted in me. He delights in you. God delights in you. Amen. Now, I don't have this verse, Kirby, So, but I'm going to read a little further down on this psalm because I want to show you a point because we're going to have to real speedily go through this. Notice, drop down to uh, verse 32. It says, For who is God but the Lord? And who is a rock except our God? This God is my strong refuge, and he has made my way blameless. He made my feet like the feet of a deer and set me secure on the heights. He trains my hands for war so that my arms can bend a bow of bronze. You have given me the shield of your salvation, and your gentleness made me great. You gave a wide place for my steps under me, and my feet did not slip. Now here's the point. David Christ to the Lord, he already has a revelation that God is actively moving in his life. You've got to have, when you pray, when you believe God, you have to believe God moves immediately. Whatsoever of things you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Praise God, you gotta believe it right then. You gotta say, thank you, Lord. I'm thank you that you're at work, that you're moving in my life and I see you. And you gotta see it like David did. Man, see him, man getting radically active. Attacking that diagnosis, attacking that relational problem, attacking what's causing the holdup in your finances. You got to see it. You got to see it. You got to use your imagination and begin to see just like David did. Those descriptive words, they they paint pictures, don't they? They paint pictures of a God who is so passionate about the enemy coming against you that he's going to step in. And he's going to say, no more. Hallelujah. You're not doing this anymore. You're not hurting them anymore. You're not restraining anything from them anymore. I call it done. And you got to see it done before it's done. you got to see it won before it's won. See, David knew this. But notice the verses that I just read. They're talking about resources. He said, you made my feet like hinds' feet. You made my hands as hands for war. You gave me, you see, uh, you know, the, the shield of righteousness. See, these are all resources. God's, listen to me. God's not going to do it for you. God's throwing his lightning bolts. He's throwing it. But guess what? It's his word. It's his word. And his word equips. Do you understand what I'm saying? His word equips. His word gives you the tools to conquer your adversary. Hello. Oh, you're not. I hope you're getting this. Okay. Notice this. Notice this verse. Drop down to verse number 38. It says, I pursued. I notice that I not God. Mm, You're not getting this. You're not getting this. We already see God's response. We see that his response is his word. His word equips us with righteousness, with all the revelation that we need to be able to stand against our enemy. And then he goes on and he says, I, are you awake? I pursued my enemies. I destroyed them and did not turn back until they were consumed. I consume them, I thrust them through so that they did not rise. They fell under my feet. They fell under my feet. They fell under my feet. feet. For you equipped me with strength for the battle. You made those who rise against me sink under me. You made my enemies turn their backs to me. Those who hated me and I destroyed them. Notice that he cries out to the Lord. All this is happening. let's just picture, let's just go in our imagination. All this can happen from a hospital bed. All this can happen from a jail cell. All this can happen when you're at the lowest point in your life, all this can happen, this exchange can happen anytime, any place. He says, when I'm in distress, I call upon the Lord. He heard me from his temple. His ear was inclined to what I had to say. And he said, he saw what was going on. And he said, man, I'm going to do something about what's going on. And he began to fling his arrows. He began to fling his lightning, You know, which is a type of uh, Baal, or which is a type of Zeus. But notice that He's showing that he is the God of gods, that he is the supreme, almighty God, and there's nothing that could ever stand before him. And those arrows and those lightnings equipped our lives, revelation knowledge of the armor of God, truth, righteousness, peace, so that I can tread. I can destroy. I. Oh, come on now. Yeah! God wants to bring you into a broad place. There's been way too much restriction on your life. Some of you are being strangled by a python spirit strangling the life out of you God comes to bring a broad place but here this is for somebody in this house you're going to have to humble yourself and cry to the Lord there's people that think they know it all well, I know the word, I know this. You're not telling me anything new, Pastor. Well, you haven't humbled yourself and cried to the Lord. That's why you're not seeing it. You're not in the right spiritual. Hello. Now, here we go. Let's, let's go over. I didn't even get to half my message, but let's go to the Romans. Romans chapter 16. You ready to shout? Romans chapter sixteen Hallelujah. Are you with me? Are you getting are you getting fired up? Notice this. Very peculiar verse in the scripture in the last few verses of the book of Romans. Verse number 20 says the God of peace will soon crush Satan under whose feet? Under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Keep that scripture up there. Just keep it up there. All right. Now, the scriptures often misinterpreted. It's mistranslated because it would seem that God has not already crushed Satan. It would seem like that's in the past. Wouldn't you, by, by reading that, you would think that's in the past. Nothing could be further from the truth. This, this, this translation, it's not the best, okay? All right? In the King James, it says that the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet, and there's a word that's after that shortly. Shortly. Very important that you understand that. But we need to understand what that word crush means. In the Greek, it means to squish like grapes and to crush like bones. What does crush mean? Squish like grapes. Crushed like bones. That's what God said he's going to do with those feet right there. See, we need to understand that Jesus has put Satan under his feet. And he has put the authority upon the church, upon you, to put him under your feet. Positionally, he's under your feet. Experientially, he may have advantage over you. So that means that we need to progressively be people that are renewing our minds so that we continuously begin to crush like grapes, squash like grapes, and crush like bones the enemy in our life. Now, this scripture right here is a reference to Ephesians chapter 5 or chapter 6 and verse number 15 where it talks about the shoes of peace. Notice he uses peace right there. The God of peace. Well, if he's a God of peace, why is he crushing things? Do you understand what I'm saying? So it almost seems like it doesn't go together. But it's in reference to the gospel of peace, which is a, synod, a symbolic by the greaves of peace, which is the shoes of peace. Remember, it says having your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, which is the good tidings unto men, the gospel of God, which is God's good news that Jesus reversed everything that Adam lost. So that tells me this, that the gospel of peace towards God and man tramples the devil. Okay? So it is not correction. It's not legalism. It's good news. When I know God loves me, God cares for me, God has a plan for me, when I know that he's provided every means that I would need, that he has already preemptively every situation that I might find myself in, he has already preemptively made a way in that situation, then praise God, I can walk unhindered and I can continue to trample. But here's the thing, is that grieves of peace were anything but peaceful. Because they had spikes that ranged from anywhere from an inch to five inches, depending on the terrain and the battlefield that the Roman legionnaire would find themselves in, they would adjust their cleats, they would adjust their sharp prongs that were hold them in place so that they, when they swung you know their 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 sword and when they used their shield they would not be moved and oftentimes if you saw in battles they would run against one another and they would take take like this and they would the enemy would just almost bounce off of them and even push them back to some degree but those greaves would hold them in place and that's what the peace of god the peace of the gospel does is that when life begins to assail you when the fiery darts of the wicked one begin to try to penetrate your life, you're not moving around and bumbling. You're solidified with the strength of those cleats and you're able to stand in the midst of adversity. Are you with me? Now, another thing is, is that if you were one of the Legionnaires enemies, if you were a Gaul back in those days, if you got, you know, hurt on the battlefield, you know, you'd be laying there hurt. They would do something that was absolutely incredible. The word shortly is not that God is going to do this in short time. God's already done it. God has already defeated the enemy and he's laying on the ground the word shortly in the Greek to squish like grapes and to crush like bones is a marching step they would walk in lockstep with those greaves with those big long spikes and they would tread on their enemies So if you were wounded and you thought maybe you're going to make it, I think I'll get better. (laughs) They would lockstep over the top of you and impale you. See, that's what the peace of God does to the enemy. That's That's what the gospel does. To an, the enemy, the good news, because the enemy doesn't like good news. That's the reason why he's trying to fill your head with all kinds of things, like you're never going to make it, and God doesn't care, and God, you know, God doesn't have a way for you. You've messed up too much. You've committed the unpardonable sin. So what happens is, is the gospel of God... As we walk it out, squishes like grapes. Oh, come on. And crushes like bones. Satan under our. I said under our. Under our feet. We know from Ephesians 1 that Satan's already under. Jesus feet Positionally in him He is already defeated Experientially We all have varying levels In which he has access into our lives And we're working through mind renewal And through you know The process of sanctification To get get him under our feet In areas of our lives And it's progressive But praise God The God of peace will soon crush, squash like grapes, grind like bones, Satan under your greaves of peace, under the gospel, the grace, notice that, it's by grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. You got time for one more scripture? Let's go to first Peter. 1 Peter chapter one. Now I'm going to skip down. Well, let's just start with verse number three. It says, blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled and unfading, praise God. Kept or reserved in heaven for you who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice though now for a little while, everybody say a little while, a little while, If necessary, you have been grieved by various trials so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. There is a reason why you're going through what you're going through. Notice this, that each time, now we're going to also look at the fifth chapter as well. The apostle Peter says in a little while or for a little while. And that means a small fraction of your life, a small season of your life. You look it up in the Greek, it just means an infinitesimal period of time. It is so small. It is so relative to what God has for you for the rest of your life and throughout eternity. It's just a small. Now, some of you have been going through things for years. And sometimes it's because we haven't cried unto the Lord. We haven't seen the Lord move. We're not receiving the equipment or using the equipment. Come on now. The word a little while is really where our mindset needs to be. When it comes to tests, trials, and tribulation. A little while. Notice though, as you look at this, how do we get through that little while? Notice it says this in verse number eight. Though you have not seen him, you love him. So even though you may not see him actively working in your life, you still maintain that white hot love. Amen. Because what does temptation, test and trial do? It seeks to get that love, to get us out of the love of God, to get us out of really devoting ourselves to him. Amen. And then it goes on and says, you believe in him and rejoice with joy That is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your soul. There's that word soul again. Notice that even though I can't see him working, even though he's not physically on the scene to my five physical senses, I still rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory because I know that I'm going to receive the outcome of my faith, which is the saving of my soul. My soul is going to come into line with the word of God, causing me to operate in the gospel of peace, which causes me to tread and to crush over that area of my life. Now let's go to the fifth chapter. This is the last one, I promise. I'm going to start with, uh, let's see here, verse number 8. It says, be sober-minded, be watchful, your adversary the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone or whom he may, I like the, the, the King James Version better, he may devour, because he doesn't come and devour, he comes and may devour. That doesn't mean that because the devil shows up, he's going to automatically devour. No more than if a lion walked in that door, doesn't mean you're going to get ate. Hello. opportunities there. You know, put some, you know, some, you know, some uh, gravy on you and just lay down maybe. <laughs> some, some people are doing it. Okay, notice this. Resist him. Notice it doesn't say get God to resist him or pray that God will resist him. No, he says you resist him. See, you've got the equipment. Whatsoever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Amen. Okay, it says, knowing that, I like this because throughout the epistles, whether it's Paul, whether it's John, whether it's Peter They always want you to know something That in order to step into what God has for you You've got to know something In order to execute what God has for you You've got to know something Resisting firmly in your faith Knowing that The same kinds of suffering are being experienced By your brotherhood throughout the world Now that's comforting Is it not? That people are going through the same problems you're going through? That's comforting, but it doesn't stop there because the next verse says, and. And it's a conjunction. Conjunction, junction, what's your function? (laughs) Come on now. It means that it's the same sentence. It's just added. it says, and. So it isn't just, well, thank God. Other people are going through what I went through. Hello? No, it says, and after you have suffered. Now, there's that word, a little while. Now, the word suffering there is very interesting in the Greek. Because when you look at it and you begin to examine it, it means a suffering or affliction of the mind. It's not talking about physical affliction. Although you might be physically going through something. But that's not the real battle. See, the real battle isn't what's going on in your flesh. The real battle is what's going on here. Because, see, his end game is to seek enslavement of the mind. So if he can keep you from advancing in what God is asking you to do by handicapping your mind through test and trial, through a physical suffering of some sort... He's coming after the mind. You got to understand where he's going. Yeah. Those symptoms in your body are not going after your body. They're going after your mind. Yeah. 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 Those r- harsh desires and lusts—they're not just going to satisfy the body or get you enslaved to your body. They get, get in here. Yeah. Do you understand what I'm saying? It says, and after you have suffered a little while. Now that little while is infinitesimal. It is small compared to everything that God has ever done for you. It is a season of your life. There is suffering that happens to people. We're not called to suffer sickness and disease. We're not called to suffer the things that Jesus died and bled for. But there is suffering with pursuing the plan of God. There is opposition that will produce suffering in your life. But notice God uses the suffering, He doesn't do the suffering he doesn't bring on the suffering, but he uses the suffering. Because he says this, the God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ. I love the next two words. Will, him, self. That means he is personally involved. David said man there were flames coming out of his nostrils there come on now get that picture The devil was messing with me He kicked me down on the playground and God just stood right up and says are you done? Are you done? Are you done? Because you're not doing this anymore. What did David do for me? He said you're not going to do this anymore. You swung at him one time, you're not going to swing on him another time. I'll take it. You hit me three times. Are you done? Oh, yeah. Hallelujah. Yeah. Hallelujah. But notice what happens. Will himself restore, confirm. It just keeps getting better and better. Strengthen and establish you. Now look at at these words in the Greek. They're very powerful. The word restore means to adjust to good working order and to be fully functional. Somebody needs to get up and shout about that. After you've suffered a while, after you went through the mental battle, you use the word to step on Satan, God Himself. I said, God Himself will bring you back <coughs> to full functioning order. Mm, it gets better. The word confirm means to plant. It means to solidify, to support, and to secure. So you're coming into a place in which you're feeling unsure. The winds and waves have been tossing you. It just seems like there's no solidity in your life. It seems like you're being moved from here to there to there to there. No, after God has done, God himself will not only restore but he'll confirm he'll get you deep. Your roots will go deep and you won't be moved. And when the storms of life come, you're going to be able to withstand them. You're going to be able to stand and have him done all to stand because you're going to be planted where God wants you. You're going to be safe and you're going to be secure because of the work of God. Now we could just stop there and just have church. Could we not? But he goes on and he uses the word strengthen. Now notice this. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This word strengthen is a very interesting word. It means to strengthen and to make strong as to be able to be mobile. It means able to move in a most effective and efficient way. Some of you are afraid to take trips. Some of you are afraid to do stuff. Some of you are afraid to go mobile. He says, after you go through this, after you go through the way God wants you to go through it, he says, he's going to strengthen you to where you're going to be able to be mobile. You're going to be able to exhibit the strength of God in a most secure way, in a most efficient way, no matter where you're at. Because this passport doesn't just work through the situation you went through. It's going to work in other situations as well. Amen. It will have a domino effect on your life. Notice this last one. Establish. It means to lay the proper foundation. To lay the proper foundation. See, you need a foundation to work from. And many people don't have the right foundation. test and trial come to us so that the trying of our faith creates and makes patience. And patience having its perfect work in our life causes us to be complete, entire, and lacking absolutely nothing. What happens? My test and trial that I go through as I apply the word of God and begin to seek his face and call upon him and have him actively working in my life causes me to to have a foundation that's laid upon me that you know what? I'm not going to be in the miry clay anymore. I'm not going to be slip and sliding. I'm not going to be muck and mire. I'm not going to be in footing that I can't keep myself steady on. I'm going to be steady. When it comes to my health, I'm going to be steady. When it comes to my wealth, I'm going to be steady. When it comes to my relationships, I'm going to be steady. Why? Because I have been established. So keep on keeping on. Don't stop. There's been people that have quit church, quit the Lord, because the tests and trials have forced them. But I'm here to tell you, my friends, Test and trial and tribulation are just God's weight room. They're meant to use the strength of God and to resist with our faith to build strong muscles so that we'll be able to do things no one else is able to do. And it's not just to help us. It's to help others. Amen? Glory to God. Can we stand to our feet? Give God praise. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. We'll just praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Is that an infusion of faith that I see in the atmosphere? Absolutely it is. Take it in. Breathe it in. Begin to worship God and thank Him for His goodness and for His mercy. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Glory to God! Glory to God! Glory to God! Glory to God! Praise the Lord! Amen! Glory to God! Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Hallelujah. 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 Glory to God. 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 Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Ah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Are you encouraged today? Hallelujah. Are you encouraged today? The Lord wants to encourage you, no matter what you're going through, no matter what season you may find yourself in. The Lord is at work in your life, and he is fiercely working on that situation. He doesn't take vacations. He doesn't take days off. He's at work. And one day you will see and know that he has consistently been at work and you will look back and you will see that he has always been working. Hallelujah. Now, if I could have the ministers come up here, praise the Lord. If you need prayer, if you need to be born again, you need to rededicate your life to the Lord, or if you need the baptism of the Holy Spirit, healing in your body, deliverance, praise God, He's here to meet you right where you are. And these ministers that are standing here will be able to assist you in any way that you would have need of today. You don't have to walk out the door the same way that you came in. You can be free. You can walk out of here a free woman, a free man. God has set you free in Christ Jesus. And it is time for you to access what He has already done for you. Amen? Glory to God! I'm here to tell you the spirit of faith is in this house. God is passionately pursuing His plan and purpose for your life. And it will come to pass because God has spoken. And his words never fall to the ground. If it's in you, praise God, it's alive and active. And if you've got breath in your lungs, you've got hope. Amen? So if you're here and you need prayer, they're right here. So come and visit them. We're going into a very time of celebration, a time of family. And my wife and I and the staff here and the elders here would like to wish you a very blessed Thanksgiving. Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. Glory to God. You're dismissed.